Hey, Brian, how's it going? Good. How you doing? Good, good. First time doing this in a little while. I know. I, yeah. I've missed it. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about today. It's, uh, yeah. it's going to be fun. Yeah, I think so. we, we've just been talking a lot lately since there's been a lot going on with sports. So yeah. figured why not, why not just record it? Yep, I agree. That's why we started it in the first place. So, yeah. So, all right. So, uh, thanks for tuning in. This is Two Cents Sports Talk. I'm your host, Adam Katulak, and I'm here with my co host, uh, Brian Crum. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. So, uh, to start today, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, NFL and what's going on since we've recently reached the, uh, just past the midway point of the year. So, we're getting ready for playoff pictures, looking out more clear and just, um, where teams are going to end up, and I know you're a big Browns fan, and I've watched almost every game I could of the Browns, so let's start there with them and your uh, overall thoughts with the team. Well, uh, right now, sitting at 7-3, and three, sitting at second in the AFC North, mm-hmm. uh, we're sixth in the AFC, and then we're tenth in the overall league, so... With that said, I am very happy with where the Browns are sitting right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, especially with a struggling Baker Mayfield at quarterback and mm-hmm. with a, uh, an injured Odell Beckham Jr. having him out and having Chubb uh, injured, I think it was like six games in the middle of the season there. So mm-hmm. I think people also forget about how important <clears throat> that was because he's now that he's back, that one-two punch with him and Kareem Hunt is just is deadly. So I think people forget that we didn't have that weapon for that long, and it forces us to rely on Baker a little more. Mm-hmm. But Kareem stepped up. So overall, though, I, I'm very pleased with this, Adam. And I think that I know it's early, but I, don't, I definitely don't think it's too early to give nearly all of the praise to – uh, to Stefanski because he comes into this team with a big letdown season uh, the year before, and in his first season, he puts us at seven and three with all the things that I just said, mm-hmm. and it just seems like he has implemented an offense in a system that works regardless of the players, so. That's that's what we need in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. We need to have an offensive scheme and a good mind uh, calling those plays. So I think we finally have have that, and we'll have that stability moving forward. That's my biggest my biggest takeaway. I, I don't really care where we end up this year. I want to see us like continue this and make it into the playoffs. But I just feel much more satisfied as a Browns fan moving forward with Stefanski at head coach. Yeah, and uh, just to go off what you're talking about a little bit on Safansky, um, he gives you guys an identity. That's that's more so than anything, you know. If you look at the last few years with um, Freddie Kitchens and Hugh Jackson, like what, what was your identity? You know, Freddie Kitchens didn't run the ball nearly enough, and I think Chubb led the league in yards per carry last year. He was one of the top. So it was like, how's that make sense? You know, it's sort of how I look at basketball. You know, if you know you shoot you know, 60% from the field or 50% from the field, why, why, why'd you stop shooting, you know, and, and lose the game? Like why stop shooting, you know, like keep going until 
the you know, I guess law averages go down a little bit, but run the ball more. You know, he doesn't have an identity last year. It was pretty much like I'm going to be pass happy and like throw consistently, and that's not what you know what worked for you guys. It doesn't work for many teams just to be happy. The more teams typically throw, the worse they're off. Like I think, um, exactly. I think this year Mahomes is below the league average for um, passing attempts per game. Which is just crazy to think about because you think you know when you think uh, the Chiefs and Mahomes, you think air out, you know air it out and everything. But no, they they run the ball a lot too. You know that's what they're trying to do and build on. They know that that's what it's going to take in the playoffs. And then he can also throw the ball. You know, but you don't want to rely on that. The Steelers do that almost a little bit too much. But it's it's good to see the Browns, um, you know, relevant and and it's nice to see it stable and it's more of a, it's a lot more quiet than it was last year. You know, it was like Super Bowl and I think it was yes. six in odds for Super Bowl last year, something stupid, which didn't make much sense to me, but um, it makes a lot more sense just where you guys are. And obviously you guys have got blown out by the Steelers and blown out by the Ravens and you have a negative 23 point differential this year, but you're seven and three. So you found ways to win and you win against the team that you're at least supposed to win against. That's the first step. Next step is to be mm-hmm. able to deal with, you know, hang with the big dogs, the Steelers and the Ravens of the division, at least the historic big dogs. Yeah. And, and sorry to cut in there, Adam, but that, that seven and three, I think that's a great stat that you you bring up about the point differential. What are we down by? 23. We're down by 23. So overall, our opponents have scored 23 more points than the Browns have have put up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're 7-3. and three. Mm-hmm. So, again, I think that just goes to prove that, that Stefanski is the coach. I mean – when you're able and it shows that he has game management too. Yeah. Because when you're able to win have a winning record of seven and three with that point differential, a lot of that comes down to the game management. And that's what I love about Stefanski is that he's willing to play that old old school type football that you're kind of talking about, where you run the ball and we have two power backs who can run the ball and you control the clock. You decide how much you want to bleed out and how much you don't want to bleed out. So as long as we go up by that by that touchdown lead, it's it's a surefire win almost for us if we can keep our run game going mm-hmm. because we can just continue to bleed the clock out and move the ball down the field to get some more points on the board. So I I I really love it honestly. Yeah, and that's a winning formula. It's definitely a way to get to the playoffs. Now, to go to the next level, though, you are going to need an improvement either on the quarterback level or overall defense because, you know, when you watch the Browns and Steelers games, you know it. You know you're outmatched almost instantly, I feel like. Right. You know what I mean? There is a clear separation from the top to the bottom. You can't win three games and then go to the – you know, you have to win four, four games to win the Super Bowl in the playoffs against real teams. That's hard to do. By just being able to run the ball, it's possible, but like you need oh, the, yeah. you know, the other factors in there, especially I think a defense that can suffocate, you know. So right, because a- once you that's that's the thing, and that's the thing about Stefanski's offense that you need a decent quarterback. You don't need him to be an all-star quarterback the whole game. Like a, you don't need him to be a Patty Mahomes or a Tom Brady the whole game, mm-hmm. but you need a quarterback that can make those play action. Uh, pass connections for the the ten yards or the the fifteen yards that you need on on third down mm-hmm. to keep the drive moving. Yeah, you can't just if you're running it 
all the time running it down their throats. They're just going to crowd the box. Yeah. So you you have to have a quarterback who can at least make a big play uh, every now and then. You're not going to rely on his arm, but for those big moments, he's got to hit them. Mm-hmm. And that's where this last weekend, I think we, we were talking a little bit before this about Baker. He looked rough in the first half. I mean, we had that big 50-yard bomb, and I was all hyped up. And then we killed the drive because uh, Baker missed a wide-open tight end on, on two plays. Mm-hmm. One of them was in the end zone. Yeah, And then we ended up going for it on uh, fourth and goal, five yards out, I think you said. And, and that mm-hmm. not getting that, that was a game changer. Now, thank God we had our, our defense to rely on there. And they pulled out that pick six and then the safety. But in the second half, when, it, when we needed those third and tens, Baker actually made those plays. Mm-hmm. So, so, again, we don't need him the whole game, but we need him when it, when it matters. So I'm curious on your thoughts here about going forward. So this year I'm not, I'm running right up as not a Super Bowl year, right? A playoffs to victory sure. in terms of the Browns to me, because it's been yep. one of the longest droughts I think we've had currently active 100%. and, you know, just overall. So let's go. I mean, um, we, ha- we have the talent for our fan base to think that, you know, we're more than just a one and done playoff team. Mm-hmm. But if you honestly pull them, if you pull them all on next August, how would you feel to hear that? Or right now, uh, would you would you just be happy and satisfied with a playoff appearance? I think 100% of them would say yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just you, you can't deny mm-hmm. that. But going forward, I'm curious on what your thoughts are with – potentially Odell Beckham because there's always news around that I don't know if he I don't think he really brings it on to himself but he's just a, such a high profile player that the attention's there and the questions get asked you know should we yeah. keep should the Browns keep Odell or should they move him and then also with the quarterback situation there's a few young quarterbacks coming out in this draft you see Herbert and Burrow coming out and honestly I think you guys have the fourth best quarterback in the division so I don't know many teams that were going to be fair. competing for the Super Bowl with the fourth best quarterback in the division right so that that's another mm-hmm. concern I have is you know what, what what are your thoughts going forward to potentially correct those two issues or just let you know keep the status quo there what, what are your thoughts well I agree with you first off on us having the fourth best quarterback in our in our division because I think Joe Burrow has shown more than enough already in his 11 games that, I mean, he, he's just what you want in a quarterback. Mm-hmm. He, he's able to make the big plays, uh, but he also just makes the smart decision. And then he has the legs to get out of any super tight situation, it seems mm-hmm. like. And Baker, I mean, it seems like he can do all that, but it's just not as consistent as Burrow, which is interesting for him being a third-year guy. Yeah. But um, so what do we do about Baker moving forward? Baker or Odell? My thought – start with Odell first Baker. and then go to um, go to what your thoughts are with Baker. I'm really curious, like, do you keep him? Do you not? Because it seems like overall the passing and everything seems okay. It doesn't seem like you're missing 
too much of a beat with Odell, and he has a pretty big cap hit of like fifteen million next year, almost all guaranteed. So if you get something in return, I you know what what do you you know start with that and then go with the quarterback. Yeah, well, that's a tough one because I was super <clears throat> excited when we got Odell because for the longest time, I mean, before Jarvis, it, it felt like we haven't had a big name wide receiver in. I mean, as long as I've been a living Browns fan. So, um, I mean, we did, well, we did have Josh Gordon, but that was different because it just wasn't consistent mm-hmm. um, because of his off the field. Yeah. But so I, I guess I'd take that back, but you know what I'm saying where he, we were trading for a top five, what I thought at the time was a top five receiver in the league. Mm-hmm. So I was really pumped <clears> to get <throat> that, but now after two seasons, it's, I mean, his first season with us was after we had the great season and then Baker started to struggle. So you could attribute that to either Baker or you could attribute that to Baker in Odell, Mm -hmm. um, that connection. And then this year, um, we, we saw a glimpse of it, uh, in that one game, Dallas. I I can't even remember. Yeah. Against Dallas where OBJ, uh, just went off but that's about it that we've seen this this season and really overall for him as a brown so seeing that baker is able to continue being the same baker that he was if not maybe a little better just because the pressure isn't there to feed that guy the ball yeah not that not that we're better without him on the field but just that maybe baker is a little better um, but what I'm saying is that I don't think he's made a big enough impact to really uh, make him a, a non-tradable asset for the Browns. I think that if we could get something decent in return, if we could get just another solid offensive lineman, which our line is already looking good, but if we could just beef that up even more or get a linebacker or secondary player out of him, then I would do it in a heartbeat. That's exactly what I was going to say. If I could get another offensive lineman, that's where I was going to go with this. But I think that sometimes when you're a young quarterback and you have a superstar talent like Odell, you almost, you just try to force feed him. Like early on, I don't know if it was the Ravens or who it was, but he threw it like out of, out of halftime. I think it was the Ravens first game of the year. He threw like yeah, six straight times at him. And it was like, you got a pass yeah. interference Odell, out of it, but like it was. Yeah. And Odell <clears throat> dropped one of those too. Yeah. It hit him right But in the it, it's just hard to, um, as a young quarterback, to develop. And when you think, I got to get this guy the ball, I got to get this guy the ball, you're not reading the defense anymore. You're not progressing. You're pretty much just trying to force feed him. And that's not going to do it because right. defense will, you know, defenses will hone in on that and figure it out, you know? It's it, it just, yeah. it, it's, it's the, not going to work. So I feel like you're saying Odell obviously is a great talent and in the right system, he's going to mm-hmm. elevate a team, but it's not the timelines are different. We've talked about this a few times. The timelines are different. And if they're different, you need to adjust that. So you get everything in line to the timeline. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, and the thing is uh, what you're saying about force being him. That's what I notice is different about Baker with him being out the past two mm-hmm. weeks is not again, not that the Browns offense is better without him because having that threat out there definitely opens up your run game. But in terms of Baker's, like, decision-making, um, if he missed – I saw him, like, miss 
uh, Jarvis Landry uh, pass where, you know, he just overthrew Jarvis. Mm-hmm. And Jarvis – and it was a third down too. So they were jogging off the field, and then they show them on the sideline. And, you know, Baker and Jarvis are, like, perfectly mm-hmm. – like, the, you see them dab each other up, and, you know, no words are said. It's just kind of understood, <clears throat> like, you know, you got to throw it better next time. Mm-hmm. But whenever you miss Odell Beckham Jr. like that, you usually see the camera go to him, and he's he's making a little bit of a scene about it where he's, he's upset, mm-hmm. you know? And that affects the quarterback, like you're saying. That, that affects his – And the team, you know, people on the sidelines as well. It just yeah. – it's negative energy doesn't – Exactly. Yeah. So, so that is the one thing that I do feel, you know, I'm not, it's tough because Odell's a talented player, but it just seems like they're more in tune without him out mm-hmm. there. I don't know. Okay. And then um, I guess going forward with Baker, what, what would you do? I guess you could, you know, you have either draft someone in the draft, you know, let it play out with Stefanski another year and get them more, more, um, familiar with the system or I don't really know. It's a third option. You can always sign someone in free agency, but I mean, if you're a free agent quarterback, you're typically not going to be worth your, um, worth your weight, you know, worth what you're going to get paid for. Cause teams yeah. don't let go of franchise quarterbacks. Right. So what are your, um, what are your thoughts there? What, what would you do? Well, well right there, Adam, I, I keep on saying that the Browns, and I think I've told you this is that the Browns, this is Baker's third year, mm-hmm. so it's not not his rookie year, not his sophomore, you know, either sophomore breakout or sophomore slump. It's his third mm-hmm. year. Like, this is the year where we should be getting a stable sample size of who you really are. And he has – we built him the offensive line that he might not have had uh, the past two years. And you saw him rush the ball out or get – hold on to the ball way too long and get sacked those first two Mm -hmm. years. Now he doesn't have that excuse. He has the wide receivers and the tight ends. He, I mean, he has OBJ when he's healthy. He has Jarvis. uh, He has Hodge and Higgins. And then he has three good Mm -hmm. tight ends with Hooper, Joku, Mm -hmm. and Brian. Those are three good tight ends. And he has two of the best backs in the league. Yep. Just not even, not the best backfield, but two of the best backs in the league. Mm Mm-hmm. So if he can't get it done in his third year when he should be stable, then that's on Mm -hmm. Baker. That's not on the Browns. So that's how I feel about it. But moving forward, if we continue to keep a team at this caliber, uh, unless we're able to get one of the top QBs out of the drafts, Mm -hmm. I don't think we're going to get a better scenario or situation at quarterback than you know a top five pick quarterback in the draft Mm -hmm. and or baker versus baker i just don't like you said i don't see us bringing in a free agent who's the answer uh it would be nice to like pull in a Kirk cousins if we could or something like that yeah at this point i think baker just knows the offense and knows knows the the players and the facility and the team well enough that that's almost more beneficial than just having somebody who's slightly more talented than him mm-hmm. uh, and not 
a a young quarterback that you're grooming for the future. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I get that. I'm just um my thought is also fifth year's options going to come up next summer for him, I believe. So it's just another thought yeah. there. I think I think it's next year. It might be two. Well, he, here's what I would do. I would not pick up that option. That's okay. Sure. And then try to sign him outright potentially or give him that another year. Okay. Yeah. So that's just. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I would not commit to him for the mm-hmm. future. But what I'm saying is I think that he. Unless we get a young stud quarterback mm-hmm. out of college, I think that he will be the best one to two year filler quarterback that we can find on the mm-hmm. market. And who knows, he might progress into something, but I just, you know, there's not many people that size like six foot and not very fast that are, yeah. you know, you got Drew Brees. I think we talked about this a little bit earlier right. um, offline, but like, you well, know, the you issue have, like, is the trade value. Yeah. Well, like, are you at that point? I feel like we would almost just have to cut him. I don't think anyone would give us more than, Maybe I, I don't know. I mean, you I have, know. you know, Sam Darnold, I've heard, um, is going to get traded this year. And he's looking to fetch a one or a two for him. people. There's a few oh. execs saying that they believe the Jets will get a one or two for Darnold. So, well, if we could get that out of Baker, well, that'd I be nice. Say. I'm still higher on Darnold than I am on Baker, but I mean, well, he's much and, younger. Yeah, and he is. And, yeah. And, and he hasn't had. What well, let's put it this way: you have Adam Gase as a head coach, and then Tannehill gets a huge deal. Tannehill had Adam Gase, and it looked it didn't work. You know what I mean? Like t- Adam Gase made Ryan Tannehill look very, you know, below average. I guess it's sort of like Jeff Fisher yeah. making um, Todd Gurley look below average. There, you know, it's just that kind of thing. Yeah. So the coaches, yeah. you know, obviously have that impact, and you, Darnold, is younger, but um, I it almost be nice to have like a somewhat of a veteran quarterback for you guys. I don't know if like a Jimmy Garoppolo gets you excited because I mean I, I still feel like it's similar similar type oh. of thing, but he went to the Super Bowl. You I know do what like mean? that. And the in the forty ers may go a different quarterback route, you know, so it's just just different thoughts like that. But um I do like that idea of Jimmy Garoppolo. If his if his value on the market has dropped yeah then it to a reasonable point where it's not killing our the rest of our roster. Then I would I would definitely take Jimmy G. I think I think you get him on a decent deal. I think you could wouldn't have to give up too much to get him. If if the Forty Nine ers decide to move off him, because once you move off, you're off. You know. Now I don't know about this, Adam, but okay, this here we can close it out with this. I think that this is a little uh, bit okay. out there, but I think that somebody like a Cam Newton would be a perfect quarterback for this offense because that just adds a third running threat. Mm -hmm. And I think, I don't know how Cam's arm is. I know that a lot of people are saying that it's wearing down, but I think that he could still make, like he is the type of quarterback that would make a bootleg convincing yeah, or play action convincing because you're actually worried about his legs. So his arm might not be great, but I think it would get our receivers open enough for him to put it in their in their reach. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean that that's out. That's definitely out there. You would make it really entertaining. I feel like with a Cam Newton at quarterback, you could have an Odell there, and it still it would work a little bit more. So I feel, I feel like, like they, they would. would I feel like they would do well other. together. You know, so I, I agree with that. I could yeah. see that type of uh, route work. Cam makes the deep ball threat. Yeah, he does. Right? Yeah, 
Uh, he he has a deep ball. I mean, yeah, and I mean, right now the Patriots have one of the worst supporting casts in like NFL history. Right. So it's not like he's not getting the full, you know. I mean, he's not. He's all we're seeing is that he's not Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Well, he's doing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know? yeah, he's he's not Tom Brady, it's, but it's I mean, not, it's not that he's terrible. But, I think a big thing for Cam Newton this year is he, he he's proven to everyone that he is healthy. So that's a big plus. Yeah. Like that that was the biggest question mark of this offseason was is Cam Newton healthy or not? You know? At least for himself, at least for that. So seeing that he is um is a really big plus for and for him. Oh sorry, but yeah, and he has a tip on his shoulder that would fit Cleveland perfect. Made it to the Super Bowl, was the MVP of the league, and just saw it slip out of his fingertips. And it fell to the point where the, his team cut. Yeah. So I, he's definitely on a, a revenge. He want he could be on a revenge tour if he's on a on the right. Team. Yeah, but we'll have to um see on that one. One more NFL topic I'd like to touch on for a second, if that's all right, is um. I guess yes. Super Bowl odds or thoughts there. You know, the Steelers are 10 and 0. Their defense is looking it's definitely a top 5 one. It's rich, you know, hanging with everyone. And then you have the Chiefs who just you know, they have a minute 40 left in the game. They just march right down the field against the Raiders and get the W. Yeah. So like what are your thoughts there with um just Super Bowl? Like give me I guess you're contenders and pretenders. So, like, just give me, you know, your top four teams because we don't, you know, it's still early on. But from uh, from both. Um, no, just, I mean, four teams overall, five teams overall, five teams <clears throat> yeah. overall. Um, I think that Kansas City is yes. a contender. Uh, I think that. Uh, let's see here. I'll give you my. Oh, go ahead. I think I'll think that this one might be a little like not the second team you would normally hear, but I do think that the Titans are a contender. Okay. They, I mean, they have what we were just talking about with the Browns, mm-hmm. but they have it working. They have a better quarterback in that system where they can just pound the ball with Derrick Henry. And then they also have a way better defense. I mean, that secondary is, mm-hmm. is killer. Tannehill would Jackson fit really King. well with you guys. Just thinking about right. it. Tannehill would fit really. I know. He's a perfect. He's like he's a guy who can he's scramble a, like Cam, but yeah, he's athletic wow. enough to to get out of the pocket and do the play action, and that's why that's why the Titans are good. And he can do a spread mm-hmm. offense, so you can you can run from the spread or you can run from, uh, you know, like mm-hmm. the power formation. Okay, but um, yeah, so I think those two are are contenders. I wanted to put the Seahawks up there, but now with Russell, uh, it looks like he's figured out a little bit after that Arizona game. Um, and their defense is just abysmal with all the injuries that they've had. And they just, it's, it's weird. Without them having the defense that, you know, is at least middle of the tier, I just can't say that they're a true contender. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they're like a pretender. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are see. Uh, okay, I've got those three. Now you tell me. Yours. I'm. I'm gonna go with um, Chiefs. Obviously, number one. All right, I'm gonna go. I'll go order mm-hmm. two. I'll go Chiefs one because I feel like they can score in 
in no time, right? That that's yeah. a, that's a huge threat. Their defense has significantly improved since the middle of the year last year. So I feel like that's they do that's a, a good really team. good um threat. But the Raiders have figured them out a little bit. Are they they're fighting fire with fire pretty much? They have an offense that can put up points with the Chiefs, and it's it's significant. So it's enjoyable yeah. to watch that. They've done that twice this year. I I uh, saw a stat that said the Chiefs defense has allowed seventeen points a game this year against all of their opponents, but the Raiders. And I've allowed 35 points a game against the against the Raiders. So I mean, they John Gruden has figured it out in some way, shape, or form. You know, I know familiarity about playing each other consistently uh, is a factor. Yeah. But um, that's what I that's what I was going to say, Adam. I think that the Raiders are true contenders to the Kansas mm-hmm. City Chiefs, but not true contenders. Yeah, but I was just you know overall giving the Chiefs overview, but yeah. they're not. I don't think that they're they can be beaten. You know what I mean? That's that's where I was getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, Chiefs won. I, I like the Steelers a lot. I think their defense, you can get you can put pressure with four guys and play decent coverage. Their secondary has been better than it's been in years. What's concerning to me is the lack of run game there. Because like I said earlier in the t- uh, conversation, yeah. the Chiefs have been able to run the ball. I think they've run the ball almost not more than they've thrown it, but like um, percentage-wise, it's, it's, it's a lot closer than you'd think whenever you think of the Chiefs. You typically think running, but now it's – it's um, or you typically think throwing it's a lot more running than you'd think. Um, but the Steelers, I mean, you just the defense is very good. The front seven stop, you know, it's it locked up Derrick Henry for the most part. Lamar Jackson couldn't really do anything. It's hard to rush on him, you know. Uh, there was a comedia guys that I think the Ravens put up two hundred some yards rushing wise, but like they're a bend don't break kind of defense as well. So uh, it's yeah. something else that you know you look for there. Um, well. Can I, can yeah. I jump in, too, like, as you go? Um, so, for the Steelers, I agree. I think that they're a contender. Um, I I think that they um, – any if the Browns or the Ravens or the Titans have to go through the Steelers, the Steelers are going to come out victorious. But if the uh, Bucks or the – uh, Kansas State Chiefs go through the Steelers. I think that it's it's. I think that the edge goes to the Chiefs or the Bucks, almost because of their their pass game. And it's not that the Steelers don't have a good secondary, but it's that the Steelers are, like you said, really known for their front seven and stopping. Now them. let me go off this for a second. The Chiefs, I agree with because Pat Mahomes can move around really well. Tom Brady can't move too much, and you saw what happens when the Saints get him. True. you know, in the pocket, he just he folds yeah. obviously because old quarterbacks don't want to get hit, when so he, he can't, can't step, step up. up. I feel like the Steelers are going to be able to get enough yeah. pressure, get to him quick enough to stop That's that. Fair. So I feel more comfortable than I would typically with the Patriots because the Patriots have always had a good offensive line when Brady's won it, and that's been our Achilles heel. And we haven't been able to get to him, but with Bud Dupree, Cam yeah. Hayward, and T.J. Watt coming at you, and and to it as well, just each play consistently, I feel like that could have an impact. I know the receivers are better than Brady's ever really had, but the offensive line isn't as good. They're good, but it's not as good as what the uh, historic New England offensive line's been. So I think that that's a that big is, factor with that. That's a fair point, and that, that is a good point. I think Brady would beat them with the Patriots, but with the Bucks, uh, he has the better playmakers. But like you said, it, it's all about the line. And he has a good line, but isn't one of like his uh, top guards out I'm, right now? I'm not sure. I'm. I, I think 
I think they have an injury there or something. But um, I, I think to go with what you're saying, it's dependent on how – Yeah, they have a guard who's injured. Uh, Al Malpert. Marper. Yeah. So going into that matchup, if they look like if their line is looking phenomenal, then I might I would give the slight edge to the Bucks. But if their line is looking like it it's looked the last couple of weeks, then I agree with you. The the Steelers mm-hmm. still win that one because that front seven pressuring Brady with <clears throat> the secondary that you guys have, I think that your secondary is gonna be able to react quick quick mm-hmm. enough on a on a quick Brady throw. Mm-hmm without being able to step up yeah. in the pocket. And the uh, next team I'd like to say is the New Orleans Saints. I feel like overall Sean Payton as the head, yeah. you know, as the leader of the team, calling the plays. Drew Brees will come back at some point. They have Taysom Hill. I don't know if he's the long-term solution because I feel like he's a more athletic, better arm Tim Tebow. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's pretty much what I'm thinking of him at. Yeah. You could be streaky. Tim a good Tebow won seven straight, right? So, like – that, that's, a, that's a significant – yeah, he won seven straight in that one playoff run or whatever. So – and then, then then they figured him out. Oh, and he, is that the one where beat he – the Steelers, the, yeah. Yeah, with the Demarius Thomas slant post pattern. Was that in that, OT? I think that was, yeah, because that was ball game on the uh, – it, like, it was like the second yes. play of OT, and it was like an 80-yard – Yeah, I remember Paul Amalu yeah. trying to chase him down, but – And it was it was kind of a Yeah, yeah, it was a little bit behind him, him but he, he – yeah, Demarius Thomas was yeah. – one of the better receivers then, but um, yeah, that, that was just, you know, that's my thought is Taysom Hill. And that, I, that's, I almost like having him play first. I mean, obviously Sean Payton said he could be the next Steve Young. So he has high praise for him. But my thought is um, have him play instead of Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston's played in the division against the Falcons with the Buccaneers. And he's historically been poor. So having him, uh, having Taysom Hill play that adds the, option of running it passing you know surprise factor mm-hmm. it's something that they haven't seen before it's hard to plan for you can be streaky with it drew Brees comes back from rib injuries boom you get the first round by you're good you know what i mean it's more of a streaky kind of thing rather than I, i'm not sure if it's going to work long term yeah. typically running quarterbacks don't work long term you know lamar looked really good last year but guess what they figured him out you run you send blitzers in the in the rushing lanes make him have to beat you with his arm he can't do it he doesn't have the weapons to do it and i didn't think he had the arm at least coming out of college to do it. So that's just, you know, my thought there. Well, right there, I I would say to Lamar's credit, I think that that's part. Yeah. It's a mixture of everything, right? Like, you know, if you have better receivers coming on, like, you know, Justin Herbert, I think Justin Herbert, the world of Justin Herbert, but he has Keenan Allen. He has Mike Williams. He has, you know, a pretty good Hunter Henry. He has weapons out there, you know, Eckler. he has has weapons out there. So like, okay. It, it helps you develop faster. Even Joe Burrow to a certain extent. You know, you have Tyler Boyd, AJ Green. Oh yeah, he, um, he T Higgins. You have guys to throw to, and, uh, and Joe Mixon. Yeah, so like you have guys to yeah. throw to. That'll yeah. help you develop sooner. But um, you know, with oh, who's oh, I lost my train of thought. But um, which, uh, which team were we talking? Oh, Ravens, Ravens. <laughs> yeah. So with the Ravens, you have Hollywood Brown, who didn't even get a catch yesterday. Mark Andrews Wait. is pretty good, but like your weapons aren't to that level so it's also limiting you from growing i guess is what i'm saying there you know it's a mixture of things i didn't think he was good enough to carry a team on his own coming out anyway with his arm but when you don't have the weapons it makes it that much more difficult but you were originally talking about tyson hill being Mm -hmm. a running quarterback that you think can work in the in short term yeah near future short term and you were saying 
that you don't think a running threat quarterback is the long-term I, solution because they can get figured out if they don't typically have Typically because, yeah, they usually, right? they usually try to run first. You know, when the, when the pocket breaks down, they try to make yeah. things with their – that's the reason they lost to the Steelers, That's the Ravens, because Lamar on fourth and, like, four or fourth and two tried to take off with it, and they got him. Like, you, you, you have to stay in the pocket. The pocket wasn't collapsing. He ran and got tackled. Like, it was – on him so and it's not necessarily that he he doesn't have a bad arm it's just he doesn't uh, trust it enough yet and i don't know i don't know the timing on this but he might have a a longer mm. release like that's where some quarterbacks you know you can you can blitz them but like like brady even i know we were just talking about not allowing him to step up in the pocket but a lot of times in new england with that line you could blitz him and he would just be able to you couldn't blitz him because he would just, you know, pass out an extended handoff to a receiver running mm-hmm. a screen yeah. or something. Yeah, Brady was – yeah. And that so, goes back to the clean po- – you know, wanting the clean pocket and not getting hit. So we're going to do these, you know, short checkdowns, right. kill the rush because, you you know, it's, it takes a lot of energy coming at right. you. But um, I guess my last two teams would be I, – I still feel like the Ravens have that threat. They need to figure out themselves, find themselves out again. Go ahead. Hey – your thought though on the mm-hmm. Saints though, I agree with you. And Tyson Hill being the right the right choice right now over Jameis and that that it it's it just makes sense for the, Yeah, let's say he plays five games. It's because he's been there he's been there for mm-hmm. X amount of years and this is Jameis's first year. So he's he's Drew Brees and Sean Payton's, you know, guy. Mm-hmm. He knows the system. And right now where the Saints are at, we just need somebody who can who can run the system and use their athleticism to make up for, you know, where they lack with their arm maybe mm-hmm. compared to Breeze. But, you know, just play smart offense and make the right decisions within the system. And that's where Jameis, you know, mm-hmm. scares people, though, because a lot of times he, he's a gunslinger. So he's willing to take those riskier throws that that might not be – let me add one more thing system. to this. Um, Bruce Arians, mm-hmm. right? He's he's known for deep ball, take shots, take risk, you know, sort of a loose cannon almost. Mm-hmm. And I think Jameis Winston and Bruce Arians, it just was a recipe for that kind of thing. I think under a year or two under Sean Payton, you know, you think Drew Brees doesn't turn the ball over, very efficient with everything he does. I feel like that may be, um, may be a different – factor almost you know what i mean it, it, it could be the coach you know amplifying oh. okay winston already is a gunslinger yeah. now you know uh arians is amplifying that you see brady turning the ball over more than he's ever done that's all i feel like that has some effect right. of the arians effect rather than you know you go sean payton and and um no, you know you could be more a little more conservative a little more hang on to the ball so that's what i'm thinking that's a good call and also I don't, I don't know if you're good but oh just you know those are he was in that system. I don't know how long Bruce Arians was his head coach, but he was in that system. Yeah. Uh, at least with the Bucks since he's been drafted. So it takes a while to to break long habits like that. So even though it might be attributed to the system, he is now mm-hmm. he now has the habit and the the muscle memory, mm-hmm. the thought process, all that stuff to to do, and that's probably why he didn't play. play over Taysom Hill. 
That's what we're just saying there. So yep. he's not ready. He's for not Sean ready Payton. yet. Sean he's Payton. not ready. Yeah. So. Yes. And then, I, I mean, just one more final note on the Saints. Okay. They blew out the Bucks twice. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how you can't, you know. Yeah. Have they? They've blown them out twice. It was, it, no it was bad the second time. But both times, I don't know. Was it a blowout the first time? Maybe not. But they, they blew them out the second time. Yeah, it was 34-23 first week. And then Shit. it was um, first time they played. And then it was 38-3 to the second time. So, I mean, they, they have their number. Dude, I always forget yeah. that the Bucs are the NFC. It's so weird it that Brady's in the NFC now. Okay, so let's close it out with uh, well, top three in each division. You say you're – Each conference? Line, conference, you mean? Right. We, yeah. Each each conference. And, All right, and I'm going to go no Chiefs, I hear. Steelers, Ravens with Titans close by, and then I'm going to go um, Saints. And the NFC doesn't get me excited about anyone. Packers are soft on the run. Um, oh, God. I'll go Tampa Bay two and then Seahawks three, but I'm I'm not excited about those two teams. Tampa Bay would probably, you know, I'm okay with being Tampa Bay being in the top three, but the next one, I, I don't know. Okay. So AFC, I will go with the Chiefs, mm-hmm. Steelers, Titans. And then in the NFC, I'm going to go with the Saints, the... Green Bay Packers, and hmm. we talked about the Seahawks and the Bucks, the Bucks, and then you got the Rams and... potentially. I don't think you're going to say the Bears. Uh, okay, no, but I'm going to say okay. the Cardinals. That's okay. my dark horse. I respect that. Yeah, yeah. Kyler Murray's a lot of fun to watch. All right, at a minimum. So okay. So um, let's talk a little bit about the uh, NBA, and it should be a pretty good uh, first podcast back, I feel like. So um, yeah, let's – I feel like that's what, what got it us is. talking a lot more. I mean, we, we were talking a lot more because of fantasy football, but there's been a lot mm-hmm. going on all at once with the NBA finals, football starting <laughs> up, the uh, – NBA draft, NBA offseason, getting closer to playoffs and football. It's, yeah. It's a lot, man. Yeah. So um, what, what, I'll let you start this conversation. Where would you like to go with this? I can talk on anything you want, anything you like. Well, okay. So for me, there's two things that I, I've enjoyed looking at the most lately. One is what Sam Presti's mm-hmm. doing with the Thunder just all of his transactions and how he's able to, you know, trade, receive, and flip players for draft picks. I mean, he's got to be the best salesman ever. And then the other thing that I've been interested in Mm -hmm. is the Lakers and what they've been doing this offseason and how I think that they have managed to not only maintain – their core from a championship team, but they've also bolstered their depth for playoff yeah. rotation. Okay, let's let's start with the so, Lakers, and I want to start with um, maybe something a little bit outside the box or something you might not be thinking about too much. But um, 
let's talk about okay. supporting cast and LeBron and where you think this might rank or what your overall thought is of this supporting cast compared to others. So you have um, Anthony Davis, who I think he's a, obviously I, I really think it's obvious that it's top ten player. He could be top five, right? So that that's you know I say if I said he's top five, it's not like you're gonna you're not gonna be able to dispute me too much. Exactly. So you might be able to, but like you're gonna be like, okay, I get where you're coming from. Big man, yeah. shoot threes, play great defense. Like what what more do you want? You know. So that's a huge plus. Now you have Schroeder, who's a pretty good point guard, a good distributor. Um, plays pretty good defense and he can shoot a three. You know, he shot a three pretty well last year. I'm um, higher than his uh, overall average. Then you have the big men. You have um, like 37 or 38%. I think he's like the 35. Okay. That's, that's what you, that's what <clears throat> yeah. you need to be. And he's also LeBron. a guy who can bring the ball up the floor, let LeBron play off there a little bit. Then you have Montrez Harold, yep. a nice young oh, center forward kind of player that's, you know, can go compliments uh anthony davis really well and can also take you know unfavorable miss uh, not i wouldn't say mismatches but like let anthony davis focus more on offense while he'd be he's the dog the guy you know guarding a little bit more and you have a marcus all who yep. can um hit threes and like you know he, he was he was pretty good with the raptors when they won it and you know i still think he has a few years left but he's like one of those veteran guys that's always seems to be on you know a lebron team or a team that's trying to go for the chip so just give me your um overall thoughts and where you think this maybe not ranks, but like, okay, would you take the Cavs big three, you know, and the supporting cast there, the heat, you know, and I'll, I'll add in uh, my opinions as we go. Um, okay. So mm-hmm. we have recency bias. So uh, I mean, since, the Lakers are fresh in my mind. And I, I think that this is the best team that LeBron's had, uh-huh. supporting cast-wise. Um, now, it's weird to say. I, I'm not going to say necessarily that this is the best team ever mm-hmm. of LeBron because if we're factoring into, mm-hmm. like, in LeBron's age and everything, I mean, LeBron's still phenomenal, but he's not the Miami yeah. Heat LeBron. You know, so so that makes it different. But I do think that this is the best team that that has ever Mm -hmm. been built around LeBron. Um, And like you said, what what LeBron needs is he is a ball dominant Mm -hmm. uh, offensive player. And he wants to have the ball in his hands and he'll find the open guy and he'll read the defense and he'll hit either the open three-point shot or the the big man down low for a lob. So as long as you have that a big man down low mm-hmm. who's an offensive threat and mm-hmm. you have perimeter shooting, uh, that's what you need for a good LeBron offense. And I think they check all those boxes. I thought that they already did check all those boxes, and now, that, now I think that okay. they check them even more. Um, and then also with for LeBron's defense – LeBron is going to play big on the uh, on the small forward. So whoever that is, and he's gonna he's gonna come up big just as a power forward. But LeBron mm-hmm. needs to be able to roam. So you need a big enough guy to lock up, you know, the other team's best mm-hmm. man. Say like a Kevin Durant. 
you need to have somebody that you can put on him other than LeBron uh, to give LeBron a rest on defense and just allow him to roam. And you need a big, uh, a big center so that you can clog up the hole and that mm. it, you need a rim protector with LeBron because LeBron's not a center. So I think they have that too. <laughs> like, I, I just feel like they, they cover the areas that are necessary mm-hmm. for a good LeBron team. And, and like you were saying, with Montrez Harrell, I love that pickup because AD has always been, you know, weird about playing center. And I think we've seen that the Lakers play really, really well mm-hmm. whenever he's at center. So getting a Montrez Harrell, I think, is the perfect addition or compliment to AD because he's he can play the center. He started at center for the Clippers at one point, and he so he can play the center, but he's a smaller body, so he's going to be the big you know nitty gritty guy, but he's he's not going to be the tallest, your biggest player or your mm-hmm. biggest offensive threat down low. So he gives a, he's able to give AD the space in the lane whenever he needs it. And then he's also able to guard the center whenever AD needs mm-hmm. a break from guarding a center too. So I think that that's the perfect compliment for an Anthony Davis. And then Schroeder, that's, that's another thing that, you know, the Cavs had Jordan Clarkson that one year, but that was after, you know, they they were Kyrie-less and everything. They had J.R. Smith, uh, who could come off the bench sometimes. The Heat never really had it. But now the Lakers, I mean, they had Kuzma come. I would say Ray Allen. The but the they heat. also have Schroeder. Yeah, Ray Allen. Okay. Was I'm he not never sure if he was a starter lineup? for them or not, but – um. But, but he wasn't a shot creator. So what what I'm saying though is like I don't think LeBron's teams have ever had like a six an elite six man off the bench who can just who can take over the second team and be yeah. an offensive threat to the second team um, without just being a, a Jordan Clarkson or a, or a J.R. Smith where they're throwing up mm-hmm. ridiculous shots every yeah. now and then, you know? I feel like Schroeder's a, a quick, crafty ball handler who has a has a finesse touch at the rim, but can also yeah. knock down the three. And then they have the best – now they have the best backup center in the league, I think. I know Marcus – again, Marcus All, like, I know that they're not uh, – he's not the same age he was, mm-hmm. or the same player he was for Memphis, but – when you can have an all-star, a previous all-star center like that, who just is smart with the ball and can he's I mean, LeBron and him are gonna feed off each other because they both can have great yeah. vision and passing capabilities. But um having him as a starting center, I wouldn't be scared, but as your backup center, that mm-hmm. that is scary. And maybe they end up starting him, but then you have the, the flip side mm-hmm. where Montrez Harrell is coming off the bench. So either way, your your bench is going to have Schroeder, uh, Kuzma, 
and Schroeder, Kuzma, and mm-hmm. either Harrell or Marcus yeah. Hall coming off the bench. That is a yeah. solid. And solid I feel team. like that. What was interesting this year was the Lakers never really had that third option like you were talking about. They never really had that third guy they could go to. That's okay. Who who's going to give us twenty points on a random night? You know what I mean. Now they have a few guys that you could be like, okay, Shooter can right. give you twenty points. He did that with the Thunder against the Rockets, pushing into Game Seven. You know, and then you also have the other two right. guys you mentioned, other guys you mentioned that who could put up points, play defense, and it, it, they. I think they proved defensively and offensively in the terms of like someone else could could assist with scoring. You know, it, it was it's an interesting. Um, it's a good play. The Lakers really had a great off off season. I feel like, and that's that's in large part it. And you know, with the yeah. Heat being young. And, and everything and whatnot, they were able to almost bully and out physical them, right? So that that's what I'm thinking here. Like you, you got more guys who could do that. You know, what I mean, you, you're going to be a physical team now with like Harold and and Gasol. Yeah. Like you have a big yeah. guys who can throw their bodies around, get rebounds, you know, and just. And that's where LeBron thrives because that's mm-hmm. that's LeBron's playing style. LeBron is just he's he yeah. is a bully. You know, he is a monster out there. So, you know, that doesn't always work, though, whenever you're the only mm-hmm. one bullying the team. If you have if you have everybody out there, you know, knocking these guys around, bumping them with their chest and everything, then mm-hmm. they're going to get yep. tired out and worn down. So. But, yeah. And we I didn't even talk about that. Wesley Matthews, who, you know, He's not as exciting, I guess, because he's, you know, he's getting out there as a best. He's 34. He's, he's 34. He's got to be over 35. 34? Okay, he's 34, so, okay, he's not too old, but I think that that's, that's mm-hmm. an upgraded Danny Green right there. Yeah, so it's it's so. Just an exciting offseason for them. I don't think there's too many other teams that really built that much of a case, you know, that much better of a case to be like, okay, yeah, now they're definitely, you know, way better off. I think the Lakers really extended their lead almost, you know? Um, that that's what's interesting because the Lakers let yes. Rondo go. They pulled in Schroeder. That's that's a plus. Okay, the Clippers got Rondo, but like, you know, then they got Harrell. Clipper, you know what I mean? Like the Clippers, I think is the biggest threat. Lakers, Lakers lost Javale McGee. Yep. Okay, they get Marcus All. Lakers lose Dwight Howard. Okay, mm-hmm. they get uh, Montrez Harrell. Lakers lose Danny Green. Okay, they get mm-hmm. um, Matthews, and then you got then Rondo um, and the Schroeder. Like you have I mean, upgrades they, almost every, across the board, and you just won. Yeah, it, right? Rondo, so you have Schroeder. that under your belt. Like it's, it's interesting. And they maintain Codwell Pope. They maintain like Kuzma mm-hmm. wasn't even up for a new contract. Uh, yeah, Caruso there on. still. I mean, Morris. Morris stayed. I think he stayed. Morris yeah. said that he was coming back. Yeah, so. I mean, well, when you improve, and you, and you just win it and you improve like that, that's that's significant, you know. I think Brooklyn would be the team uh, that okay, and, they're they're there, like okay, Katie's yeah. there because. But they're still just yeah. You got to figure it out. I you know something I would love to see Brooklyn do is get James Harden, and I don't. I, I if 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 that cost you getting rid of Kyrie, I would yeah. still do it. I would I would get Harden. So is that? Is that a that's, thing? Because I keep on seeing that. Like I, I've seen headlines like ESPN notifications pop up or something, but I haven't actually like. Harden would like to be traded, and he wants to go you to know? either the Sixers or Brooklyn. Brooklyn is his one choice, his top choice. 
Yeah. So what what was the trade like? They about talks haven't have gained to too much traction yet, but they um they want they want everything under the moon pretty much. Um, the the, the Rockets do. Are they? So are they assuming? Are they assuming that that trade would only go down if it was James Harden replacing? No, they Kyrie, they would like the big three. Kyrie's not in as in on it as KD is. KD's in. He would love that to happen. Kyrie's, you know, hesitant. Well, I mean, think about it. Kyrie, think about yeah. it. I mean, he he wants oh um gosh, he wants the dude, ball. He, he's gonna be the third guy now because he is. He would be the third guy, and he's great. But he's the third guy there. He's not. He's not better than James Harden. He's not better than Durant. You know. So um, and they're all ball ball centric. Yeah. I guess Durant isn't Dude. as much, but like, they are. Yeah. But I would I would move Kyrie if that was. Yeah, the you're piece. right. I don't like a I don't like a Kyrie. I don't Neither like do a Kyrie I. Harden and backcourt. They dribble too much. They Something else that's interesting is uh, Mike D'Antoni is the uh, assistant coach for Steve Nash with the Nets. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, no so, way. I mean, that, Mike D'Antoni yeah. took the assistant coaching job with the Nets. So, so like the Harden Dude, going there, awesome. like D'Antoni wanted Harden to do as much as he could. Like he never limited Harden, right? He always let him do him. So like Harden would like that kind of yeah. fit, you know. And then you have a Durant type of guy who could put on AD potentially or something like that. It, it's a, yeah, but wow, look at that! They have a the Houston Rockets have a blowout in their front office and just yep. just in their staffing in general, you know. They have uh they have Dan Tony now Morey. to the Nets as an assistant. He he's willing to take he's taking a uh mm-hmm. assistant coaching job. You have Daryl Morey yep. going to Philly, their GM. And then so the only yep. one you have staying put is mm-hmm. the owner. And then you have the players. Russ, and now the players yeah. are requesting trades in the, the top two locations of Harden's trade requests are his yep. former GM and his former and teammate, his former coach. With Kim Durant. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. But I would love to see yeah. if Harden went to the Nets and Kyrie left, I feel like they, they can give the Lakers a run for sure. Because KD is a different animal. He's a seven-footer who, you know what I mean? He's a different beast. Like, it's... There's no one who can guard that, just like no one can guard really, yeah. you know, like an Anthony Davis type of guy. But I think he's a better shooter, like Duran is obviously. But well, I mean, that's the thing. Like the things with Harden's previous Rockets teams. Yeah, Harden's the primary guy, right? And on an off night, it was you either have to rely on Chris Paul in the mm-hmm. supporting cast, like Eric Gordon or something, or. Um, once they trade Chris Paul, which he's not a shooter. Now you have to now. Right. So, and, and they did pretty good. Like their Mm -hmm. offenses did pretty well, but wasn't the best. Wasn't anything like significantly Mm -hmm. scary unless Harden was on his A game. Now, if Harden's off his A game or if KD's off his A game, then you're back at your second. Same thought of like Steph Curry, Durant, same kind of thing. Harden, yeah, mm-hmm. that's just it's unbeatable. I would. I agree, but Harden does bring another aspect but... of like the driving, getting fouls. So when the game came down a little bit, you know, and he can yeah. still shoot just as well. He, he's he's money. He's money. So, but if he's if he's off and he needs to pass up the three point shot, I am beyond ecstatic. 
if I have KD shooting that. I would not have Josh Westbrook. Yeah, Westbrook. Well, yeah, yeah. That never. <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree. So that's interesting. It's a good um storyline. Uh hmm? Well, another thought good... there too, Adam. Not to drag this on, but real quick is what if? Okay, mm-hmm. we didn't even get into Sam Presti yet. I don't even know if we have time to. But he, he, everybody gives him so much credit, and I do too. Me and you both do. We probably hold him as the number one GM in the league, even though, you know, you've got Danny Terry yeah. and, and some other good GMs up there. But he drafted KD, Russ, mm-hmm. and Westbrook. Or yeah. KD, Russ, and Harden. And then it might have, they say that it might have been an ownership thing. It probably was where ownership didn't want to extend Harden um, because yeah. he was their sixth man, and uh, mm-hmm. they didn't. It would put him in the luxury tax, so they traded him to Houston, and I think yep. that that turned into Stephen Adams. But but if the Thunder knew to hedge their bets on Harden mm-hmm. over Russ earlier, we could have potentially seen this duo that we're now saying would, yeah. would be a dominant force in the league. And that it, it probably would have. KD's not going to Golden State if, if Harden's there because KD would have the ball more often. It, right. So, and I think that that team, OKC with Harden instead of Russ, I think that team – is oh yeah, I agree. The Warriors, at least, at they least might. beat the Warriors if they had that three-one lead. I don't know they if they're going to get the three-one lead like they did with us, but they would. They Kevin would Durant would be the best be player in the series. You can give Steph two, and then Harden's an easy three. You know what? That that's that's simple to me. Yeah. You know, and Katie's getting more shots, getting better opportunities, and yeah. Harden's a way better offensive player than Russ. I, that's a, that's a win. So, I think I think Presty made the right decision at the time, but if you're oh, yeah. looking at this from from hindsight, that could be one one big area. And what, that Presty actually screwed I'm, up. I'm sure and he's wonder, thought about I wonder it. Wonder if he can't dwell too much in the past. But what's interesting going forward for Presty and the Thunder is how many first round picks there are. I know they're not going to be all lottery, but like Kevin Durant was, I, like, I think two overall. Russ was like five or six, and Harden was back there too. You know, then you got a Steven Adams. So he has multiple picks. Those picks are going to turn into something at some point. You know, they're going to move up. And, you know, you can't – I think you have, like, what, 16 picks in the next few years. So what's that mean? That means that you can't draft that many players and keep them. So – And – exactly. You can't draft that many players and keep them. So he's going to have to turn these drafts mm-hmm. He's going to have and to – move up, and there you go. That That's going to cause fits, I think, you know, for – um, I mean, it, it, that's gonna. That's... Oh, I see what you're saying. So you're saying you think that he's gonna continue the development route, but that he's gonna just flip multiple firsts yes. for for a top lottery pick versus flipping or packaging picks with a player. Yeah, to get and I think because he can evaluate like he did with now. those four guys and gotcha. others. I think that that's going to yeah. be more hits than not. And right. he's going to have multiple times to swing and miss at it. Go for it. He knows he knows he can rely on the draft like he did before. But 
he's only confident that he can rely on it if mm-hmm. he gets yeah top five top ten some if he feels like his guy's where he you yeah. know like is somewhere he'll go get him and he has the yeah. draft capital to do it and miss a few times and he has the job security that he can miss and he's got you know what I mean so so I mean that's what's that's what's so exciting I about him is that. he's gonna be able to do this for a long time he's a young guy and I feel like with his history it's gonna keep hitting you know and we have say uh, Alexander right now and we have. You know, Lou Dort, who I really am excited yeah. about. He's a good wing defender guy, uh, wing defender. So I think that it's going to be really interesting. Yeah. Um, and that was another that was free a, agent signed um, four years. Free agent that Three more years. Down. So, yeah. 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 I, I mean, I feel like me and you are, are pretty big uh, like NBA and NFL junkies. So feel kind of like a a bum or a nerd, but this is just like, what more could you ask for? One of the best GMs in the NBA, which is already a, mm-hmm. a transaction friendly league having mm-hmm. 16 picks in the next five years. And we just get to see what he does yep. with it, how he navigates that. And we've already seen him make, you know, a trade with yep, 12 over teams. a quarter or over a third teams. of the league in five days. So, and um, so it's fun. Oh, I forgot what I was gonna say. Yeah, but oh, I was gonna say. Well, the last time we saw something like this, and someone of a similar caliber, maybe even better than Presti, Danny Ainge with the Celtics, loaded up on picks, but he didn't have this many picks. Danny mm-hmm. Ainge didn't have this many picks. He had he had some good ones, like the Sixers up high, and... you know, early on, and like stuff like that. He had some good picks that ended right. up being like high lottery picks, but he didn't have this capital overall. So. Right, and Danny Edge was doing that after it, it kind of like Presti, where mm-hmm. it was as the big three, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce were um, like that. It there was an end of that era, and he transitioned into this new era, kind of like tra- Sam Presti was transitioning away from KD and Russ and Harden into this new area. And they're still able to manage like 500 win teams mm-hmm. and stockpile yep. their assets for the future. So they're, those two are two of the few GMs who are able to, to do a rebuild, go from a dominant team to a rebuild mm-hmm. without sacrificing the quality. And I of, think this uh, year they are going to. The, the Thunder are going to try to tank this year. They're they're trying right now, which is okay because they've. I mean, they've gotten so many. Oh, it looks. Why like wouldn't it. you? If you got offered a first round pick for almost anyone other than someone you see in your future for the next three, four, at least three years, why wouldn't you get a first round pick for them? You know, that's the thought process. But yeah, yeah. Well, my one concern there, and I think Presti knows knows this, is that they at least keep a decent. Uh, mm-hmm. veteran locker room presence because when you have a young talent like Shea Gilgis Alexander having a Chris Paul like we saw last season that just accelerated his development you know that that sped it up I don't think Shea Gilgis Alexander would have developed that fast in one season without a solid 
veteran presence. And think about it this way. You have like, like Al Horford. So, no one, no complaints with Al Horford at all. He's a great teammate player. They have Al Horford and they have – Do um, they have Al Horford? George Hill, I believe. I think we still have George Hill. So, like, those are two veteran guys who I yeah. think are going to be decent yeah. locker room guys as well. So, they also have, you know, the guys they've retained who are on, like, high contracts and salaries. They still are good locker room guys, similar, similar to Chris Paul. They didn't need to buy in. Okay, this is the rebuild. I understand that. I'm still getting paid. You know what I mean? That's the kind of thing. Then that, then Sam Presti will move him in the offseason or trade deadline to a place they probably want to go. That's what he's done with historic mm-hmm. stars, you know? So you've kept, like, yeah. you're talking about veterans and guys right. who have good locker That's another room, thing. You know, got, you know, to keep the spirits up or whatever, you know, keep morale and everything. Okay, this is a rebuild, but, like, also develop still. They have mm-hmm. certain guys that I feel comfortable being there and being like role models, you know, they got rid of Rubio who didn't want to be there. They got rid of players who don't want to be there. I don't well, know if Ubre wanted to be there. You know, they, they moved them out. So. Well, I think I, that's a good point. I didn't even realize mm-hmm. that Al Horford was still on the roster. There's been so yeah. much going on with them that it's hard to keep track of, but I think that he's, he is a great locker room presence and somebody who can still lead mm-hmm. your team because he knows how to win. So I, I think that, you know, yes, they might be, especially in the West, they're going to be uh, not expected to be anywhere above the, you know, the bottom tier. But I think that Al Horford will at least like give them a little edge in some of those mm-hmm. games against the other bottom tier teams. And dude, I mean, I, I agree. I think that Billy Donovan, after the way he coached Game Seven against Houston, like deserved to be fired. But that would be so funny. That'd be so. I mean, just interesting if uh, he was still there. Billy Donovan was the <laughs> was the Gators head coach when they won the title with with Al Horford, and it was for the Florida Gators, who are mm-hmm. their colors are blue and, and the Thunder. What like, Billy Donovan wanted? Like we Thunder. were trying to get Al Horford so. a few years ago when he was a free agent, I believe. I think he signed with the Sixers, right? I think he was signed with the Sixers. And we wanted him; like he was a guy yeah. we were going after. So it was. It's funny how yeah. um, now he's fi- finally with us, and we're like, well, it's a little, a little too late, but yeah, yeah. I do like to see that. Like the, I mean, Gordon Hayward didn't work out with his his injury. No one could have predicted. Mm-hmm. And breaking his leg in that first game, but it's cool to see a college player reunite, mm-hmm. reunited with their college coach yeah. in the NBA. So uh, that's that's a pretty good podcast. I think it's about hour and ten minutes. So you good there? Yeah, perfect. Good man. talk. Yeah, man, absolutely. Yeah, it's like pretty nice. So I enjoyed doing this, again. and um, yeah, you can catch us next time. We'll, we'll probably pick this up again, just with you know. Winter coming. There's not a whole lot to do outside. You still have COVID everywhere, so you're not going to be going out as much. So we'll probably keep this going a little bit. So um, thanks for listening, and uh, have a good night.